This is the Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. Now, here's Sue Freeze. Thank you so much for joining the Sue Freeze Show, and I'm just really grateful. You know, in all things, give thanks. That's what he says in the Bible, and uh, I am so thankful. I'm thankful for so many things. And one of the things I'm thankful for is that he chose me to be right here, right now with you. He also chose uh, the subject matter in which we're going to talk about because I always ask for his guidance and I always ask for him to to tell me what it is. What's the message for today? I've been doing the show for 14 years, almost 14 years, and it's amazing to me to think that it's been this long and I can still remember when it started and how I didn't know anything about how to do this. I had done commercials before, but I had never been a host or hostess um, for a show. So it's it was uh, a great beginning, but yet when I go back and listen to my early shows, um, I feel like I've come quite far. And uh, it's great. It's great to be with you today. So I always ask the Lord to reveal to me um, the lessons that he's wanting me to learn and how I can like express or share using my own feelings, emotions, and lessons learned uh, from whatever it is I'm going through. So one of the things I'm going through right now is opposition. I don't know, have you ever experienced opposition where you you just feel like everything's going great, right? You're just, you're, you're just on a high and you, everything's going great and then all of a sudden you're not. And uh, you're going, well, what just happened? And um, things can resemble other things like opposition that you've experienced before and you've gotten through it. Now you're here doing this again, but there's a little different twist to it, or there's there's something else, and I'm like, okay, what is this all about? Uh, and and you know what I've realized, and maybe you have too, is that I always know that when I have strong opposition, that I must be on the right track because Satan, the devil, yes, he's real. He doesn't want us to uh, make a difference, to impact other people. He doesn't want us to succeed in the good word and to bring people to an understanding of who Christ is and that he's real and that he's there for each and every one of us and that we were created in his image. The devil doesn't want us to know that because he doesn't want us to reach heaven. He just doesn't. Um, I don't know about you, but it is a personal choice because the Lord gave us freedom of choice. He didn't want to be us to be robots. He wants us to make a choice and to choose him. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't be impossible for him to just make us all choose him. But he doesn't want that. He wants you to choose him. So we go all through these things, you know, and when people get to the down, the down deep, the the deepest of the deep, uh, usually a lot of the times that's when people will look up. Uh, Besides that, they're going, I got this. I got this one. I don't need that. I've got me. I can handle it. Uh, And what we realize is that sometimes things just get too tough and, and maybe we really need something more than us. I know for me personally that I've tried it both ways, and I can tell you, uh, being a Christian doesn't make life easy. It really doesn't. In fact, sometimes I think it's worse. It might be harder. Okay, but I do have the truth with me, and I do have his power with me, and you do too if you want it. It's your choice. So in coming in today and dealing with uh, last week and this week, opposition has been at my front door. It's been facing me face to face, and I'm like, okay, what's the lesson in this? And and how do I handle this and do it in a Christ-like manner? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. That was long-winded for us to get to this point where I just feel that 
all of us go through trials and tribulations. We go through criticisms and uh, bashing sometimes. And, um, you know, it's how we handle those things that really makes a difference in this world. A little side note is this last weekend I uh, went to a celebration of life. And celebration of life is when you're celebrating somebody that's no longer here, uh, but they've uh, died and either gone to hell or gone to heaven. And this was an amazing event for me. I knew it was a neighbor of mine, 62 years old, and he died of a heart attack right after watching the Christmas parade in December uh, in, in, at the place where I live. And uh, he's a neighbor of mine. In fact, he was the first one when I moved into my house to greet me with a big smile and a welcome value. I just felt so important, and I just met this guy. So going to this, finding out about it was a shocker because he's 62. It's just way too young. Uh, he died of a heart attack. And going to the celebration and seeing all the people that he touched, it was in a very large, large clubhouse room. And it was filled standing room only. There was seats, chairs, everything. But there were people around the rim of the walls and just people. And everybody there had nothing but good things to say about Terry because he was such a light. He was such a I don't know. You just felt better when he when he saw you. You just felt like you were special. And it didn't matter who you were. He, according to everybody in that room, is that everybody felt wonderful because he was in the room and uh, they had a relationship with him on some level. His wife, flight attendant, got up and spoke. They've been married for many, many years, 30, 34, 36 years. And she got up and spoke about what it was like to be his wife. And then his two daughters got up and spoke about what it was like to be their daughters. And she read a letter when the baby, the daughter, was five months old. And he wrote this letter to her. And she blew off the dust off the letter and, and read what her daddy had written to her when she was five months old. And it was just comical. It was so him. It was so cute. And she just said, you know, he was my best friend. And... uh they're in their teens, 20s, and, uh, you know, they just had nothing but good things to say. And so I looked around the room and I said to myself, I want this. I want to impact people like Terry impacted people. I want people to say the same things that they're saying for him. I want to be that kind of person. And we all have a choice on what kind of person we're going to be. And sometimes when we get pressed, beyond pressed, and you might be here right now, there might be circumstances where you just feel so pressed, like, God, you tell me you won't give me more, but it, it just feels so much more than I can handle. And I can tell you, I've been there. I've been there many times, and I can tell you that we get through it with God's help from me. Um, I get through it. And I realize that the perseverance, it, it, it strengthened me, and it made me realize that I can get through these things. So as things come at me, as I get older... I realized that, oh, I've been somewhere down this path before. It might look a little different, but I know I have God on my side, and so do you if you choose. So the question is, is how do we respond to opposition? Now, I know I'm doing a good thing. The more opposition, I know that I'm, that I'm making a difference because the devil doesn't want that, right? I said that at the very beginning. If you're tuning in right now, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. And no, it's no coincidence that you're tuning into this show right now, because there is a message here, and it could be one line out of this whole hour of show, half-hour show. It, it might be one line that I say that is going to change something in you, and it's not my words, it's his words. Uh, I'm an open vessel to be used for his glory. Uh, it, but I will say that that one line could change your entire life and how you respond and how you think your belief system moving forward. 
So 10 ways Christians should respond to opposition. It doesn't necessarily have to be Christians. It's just that we have a certain rule book that we play on, that we live by. And uh, so we we kind of drive our um, our attitudes and our thought process and our belief and our faith through this book called the Bible. So um, what are some of the feelings that you feel when you are under opposition, when something happens to you and you're just like, your defenses are up and what happens? Okay. There's outrage. There's fear, confusion, anger, nostalgia, withdrawal. Many of the ways we Christians respond to oppositions are far from ideal, right? I mean, they are because we're human and we have a human nature. So Peter knew what it was like to face opposition, to lash out in anger or draw back in fear, to be restored in love than to step out boldly with gospel courage. That's what we're supposed to do. Step out, step out boldly with gospel courage. It took him years to learn, but with Jesus beside him and the spirit within him, he did it. Later in life, he wrote a letter, 1 Peter, to fellow sufferers and, t- and taught them how to respond as a Christian to opposition. So here's some of the ways to respond. Number one is don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. That's first Peter four twelve. I always like to give the address. So if you if you are a Bible reader or you're new to the Bible, uh, this is ways you can look these scriptures up to just make sure and you can see it in black and white in this book called the Bible so that you know that what I am saying is coming right from scripture. This isn't new. It isn't strange. It's normal. Paul promises that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Did you hear that? See, it's not going to be all rosy. It's not going to be all great. We're going to have opposition. We're going to ha- we're going to be persecuted. This is in 2 Timothy 3:12. In the same way, Jesus Jesus reminds us they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's Matt 5:12. Don't be surprised. God certainly isn't. He's not surprised, okay? He knows that that's there. But he also gives us the rules. He gives us the, the rule book to life. Number two, number one was don't be surprised. Number two, calm your outrage. You know, we do have defenses. We do have our emotions, and they do help us in some cases. We can take... Um, I always pay attention to what's happening in me, my emotions. It's like, what, what's going on right now? And then I figure out, well, why is that happening? You know, it's like, what is happening and why is it happening? And if you ask yourself these questions, you're going to understand you better because sometimes things happen. Have you ever asked yourself like, well, where did that come from? You know, what, what just happened there? Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. That means, you know, your feelings, don't be afraid of them. The constantly outraged Christian is a sad sight. Don't respond to opposition with that toxic blend of fear and anger. Respond with grace and truth. The words outrage and courage both have the word rage in them, yet they're totally different attitudes. We need less reactionary outrage and more courageous love. That's good. If we just walked away with that, wouldn't that be helpful? If we could remember that in in our times of outrage or our time when we get angry, We need less reactionary outrage and more courageous love. And they both have rage in them. That's very interesting. I've never heard that before. Number three, repent when needed. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. First Peter 4.15. 
Sometimes Christians aren't respected because we're not respectable. Sometimes the world says Christians are hypocrites, and they are right. Sometimes our opponents see our failures far more clearly than we do. If you're racist, you need to repent. If you hate gay people, you need to repent. If you're rude or gossipy or arrogant at work, don't get all blustery and claim persecution when a coworker calls you on it. Let's own our sins and repent when needed. Jesus will forgive you and change you. He'll even save you if that's what you need. And the world will appreciate the rare example of humility. That is so good. I don't know about you, but I could walk away right now and feel that if I just thought about that, um, I would be a better person. And maybe I would be like Terry uh, on my last day or after my last day. And that's my goal. And so each one of us has to decide the race we're running and the prize we're going after, don't we? That's in Scripture, too. Run the race to win the prize. What prize are you after? What race are you running? Keep loving each other. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. First Peter 4, 8, 10. When a community faces challenges, we're tempted to turn against each other. We who've labored side by side in the gospel sometimes end up toe to toe in some intramural battle. That's Philippians 4, 2, 3. We need to guard against this temptation, especially when opposition heats us up. If our battle isn't against flesh and blood... Ephesians 6.12, our battle certainly should never be against each other. In the Bible, it talks about that it's not against flesh and blood. It's in uh, flesh and blood. It's in against the principalities in the spiritual realm. So understand that we, you know, when that happens is that, you know, the devil's trying to turn us against each other and we're supposed to love one another. So you've got to ask yourself, you don't have to, it's a choice, but ask yourself, what am I doing right now? You know, what am I feeling right now? How, it, how am I responding? How am I reacting to what's going on right now? I fall short of this a lot. And I've learned that if I call it out and I say, you know, I really blew it there. I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, I feel that that's better than ignoring it or adding, acting like it didn't happen. I, I've been in relationships where people have done that, where they they do something and they know they've done something, but yet they tend to point the finger somewhere else, like it's somebody else's fault or they made me do it or something like that, or they just act like it never happened. But yet we're still, the other person is sitting there going, did I really, did that really just happen? Or, you know, should I be feeling that way? You know, and when we question ourselves uh, when those things happen, and it's just better in relationships that we admit when we do something that may be less than what God would want us to do. We're called to a higher standard. We're called to be more like Christ. We're called to pray first. I have a little band on my wrist that I have there because I have to remind myself all the time that I need to pray first because sometimes I do try to take the wheel and then I realize quickly that it's much better for me to put it in his hands. And maybe this could be for you too. Trust God and do good is number six. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. See, we, we do suffer. We do suffer. But we have to trust him. And he, he's our faithful creator. And as long as we are realizing that we're doing his will, then he's going to be there because he tells us he will be, that he'll protect us and he'll hold us tight and he'll keep us.
For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put in silence, put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. First Peter 2.15. Keep doing kingdom work. Keep serving each person you meet. Keep loving everyone who crosses your path. Don't try to silence the critics and skeptics by yelling louder. Trust God and do what's right. Remember that example is the loudest voice in every room. God will take care of us. So keep calm and carry on. Evangelism means difficult conversations, but we should never be difficult people. I was told this recently that, you know, it's not, um, it's not that all this group of people is bad or the color of skin or, you know, where you come from. That doesn't make you good or bad. You know, even the Nazis, you know, people say, oh, the Nazis are bad. All the Germans would say, you know, the Nazis are bad. But no, some Nazis were bad. And there's a difference between decent people and indecent people. This was something I just, it was, it was like an aha moment for me because I'm dealing with some indecent people. And just because I'm dealing with these indecent people, indecent people, it doesn't mean that all of those people are indecent or all those people are bad. It means there's a few people and they don't ruin it for the rest. Just like there's Christians that are on different walks and different levels. And, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God and we're not perfect. We are sinners. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. His grace is sufficient for us. You're listening to the Sue Freeze Show. Sue Freeze, spelled like fries, one word, dot com. I want to invite you to go there. Go to the show uh, website. And I want you to, you know, there's so much in there. There's 14 years of, of podcasts. They're podcasts. They were radio shows. And now we put them on so that you can listen at your leisure. So subject matter, guests on the show, just different things all the time. Um, also, there are things that you can push print and you can download for free. Like the I am, it's like who Christ says you are versus what that person says you are, that person and whatnot. You know, what does Christ say? He says you're an ambassador to Christ, that you are forgiven, that you are a child of God. And I could go on and on. There's three pages of I am's. And if we read these I am's, it's going to change our posture. It's going to change how we believe and how we feel about ourselves. And, you know, we need to, we need that. I know I need that. Because sometimes you just knock down, you know, you, people want to tear you apart sometimes. And the devil definitely doesn't want you to survive or thrive. He wants you to be defeated. And we don't want that. And God definitely doesn't want that. He created you for a purpose. And the devil doesn't want you to fill that purpose. Just know that. He's on the opposition. And we don't want to give him any arena to, to uh, be successful in that, do we? Number seven, share your hope. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That's First Peter 3.15. I need to remember that one. I've got to memorize that scripture. I love that scripture. In a world like ours, if your life is marked by grace and truth and love and integrity and hospitality and Christian warmth, people will eventually ask, what's wrong with you? So develop gospel fluency. And stay ready to answer people's questions and challenges. If you're a Christian, you have a mesmerizing hope. Be prepared to share it. This was Terry, and I don't even know. I don't even know. But I know that this is how he he resembled all of that. And he touched so many people just in his joy. 
He was fun to be around. He was a light. He wasn't a downer. People felt better because they were in the room with him. So it's how you make people feel. It's not what you know. It's how you make people feel. If you don't take anything else, take that. How do you make people feel? Do you make them feel less than? Little? Or do you make them feel big like they could conquer the world? As a parent to your child, I'm hoping that you definitely understand your role in that arena. We should be doing this with anybody and everybody, but especially your children. So number eight is be respectful, yet do it with gentleness and respect. First Peter 3.15, a rude evangelist is a bad evangelist. As you share Christ with people, always be respectful. Evangelism sometimes means difficult conversations, but we should never be difficult people. Avoid verbal fights. Be gentle. And show perfect courtesy toward all people. Titus 3.2. These scriptures are so, so good. I'm going to get my Bible out and I'm going to make sure that I've already underlined these. And if I have not, I'm going to highlight them because they're so really, they're so good. What does your heart say? What is your goal in this life? What is it you want? You know, at your celebration of life, have you thought about it? First of all, where are you going or what's going to happen when you die? Do you fall asleep? Do you go to heaven? Do you just nothing? It's done. You're that's it. What happens with you? But more importantly, what happens with the people that you have come in contact with that you've touched? What happens with them? Are you be- are they better because of you being in their lives? Are you a better, are they a better person because you helped them be a better person? It talked about the tough conversations, the difficult conversations. See, sometimes we avoid those conversations because we're fearful of how the, how the outcome is going to be. But if you don't have it and things keep going in an arena that is not the way God would want it, then you have to live with that too. I know I've had to have these prayer times with the Lord just saying, you want me to say what? You want me to have a fierce conversation when? And it's tough. And we have to be prepared, don't we? So I hope you heard what these words have spoken into your heart. And I hope that it's changing, life-changing for you. We will be back with more more of the Sue Free Show for part two right after this brief break. Have you noticed more insects or rodents in your yard or maybe in your home? Warmer weather means it's mating season. Hey there, cutie. What's your sign? Hi, this is Sue Freeze of Ecola Termite Pest Control, but you can call me the Termite Lady. And I'm Tyson Freeze, manager at Ecola. When pests start mating, they start looking for food supplies. Your pantry, your garage, and a quick infestation can cost hundreds in tainted food. You don't want pests in your house. We know how to find and eliminate them before they can settle in. Call us for our free pestimate at 877-332-BUGS. New customers get $50 off any initial treatment. Pests hate that we make our service so affordable. Don't let insects and rodents move in. Call E. Cola now, 877-332-BUGS. That's 877-332-BUGS. Or online at termitelady.com. E. Cola, powerful termite and pest control. As gentle as a butterfly. E. Cola, 877-332-BUGS. TermiteLady.com. What would you do if your two-year-old child simply stopped breathing? 
The day businesswoman and author Sue Freeze discovered her son had developed life-threatening asthma, her life changed forever, sending her on a path of learning, discovery, and environmental activism. Sue's book, Learning to Breathe, chronicles her amazing life-and-death battle for her son Tyson's life, a how-to manual for parents of children with asthma, revealing the secret causes, surprising cures, and the untold truth about harmful indoor allergens. Written with the passion of a loving mother, wisdom of a successful businesswoman, and deep spiritual devotion, Learning to Breathe is a hero's journey for the parent in all of us. If your child suffers from asthma, this must-read book could save your child's life. Learning to Breathe by author Sue Freeze, available on Amazon, or log on to suefreeze.com. That's suefries.com. suefreeze.com. You're listening to The Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. And here again is Sue Freeze. Thank you so much, Ecola Termite and Pest Control, for sponsoring this show. I'm so grateful, so thankful for Ecola Termite and Pest Control. Ecola hit the top 100 in North America as one of the top pest control companies. And uh, we're not a national company. We're only in Southern California and Central California, but we are growing. We're looking for hires. If you are looking for a new career, uh, Ecola is hiring. Please contact termitelady.com. And, uh, you know, there is a career uh, button to push. Fill it out. Send it in. And we'll give you a call. You have to have a clean driving record. You have to have a great attitude. We, we can tr- teach and train the skill sets. And uh, we'd love to talk with you. We have many offices, so no matter where you're living. This show is syndicated, and it goes from San Diego. Thank you, San Diegans, for listening. It goes to Orange County, L.A. That's KKLA. Woohoo! Um, it goes to KDAR, The Word, in Ventura. So the Venturians, um, thank you so much for listening. And it goes all the way up to Santa Maria, San Luis Obispo, all the way up there. We have some other stations that have gotten involved with the show. And I'm just so so grateful and thankful. We've got Christian and secular stations that are wanting this message. And so that is such a, a gift from God. And uh, I'm just so thankful to be part of it. So on part one, if you missed it, go back and find part one. But part two um, is talking more about the response we have when we face, which we will, opposition. And I went through one through eight, and so I'm going to start with number nine. And number nine is to remember your Christian family. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. First Peter 5, 9. So there's been times in my life in my immature time frames where I felt like I was the only one going through this. And I felt comfort when I realized, for instance, when being a new mommy with a new baby and trying to figure it all out, which is a lot to figure out. Right, moms? And um, what I realized is that uh, no matter what I was going through, I, I joined a group and they were called Mommy and Me. And it was a group where we met once a week and we let the children play. Well, when they were younger, they didn't, you know, they couldn't walk or whatnot. So we would hold them and breastfeed together and do all those fun things together and talk about the difficulties we have and what's going on in our marriage and how can we be better as a mom, as a wife, as a friend, as a sister. Um, we, we had those conversations and it was so nice to have other people that were like-minded and going through similar situations. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? It's really good when you have support and if somebody can kind of understand what you're going through. So let me just tell you, you should be looking for people that maybe are a little ahead of you. 
you know, that might have, you know, you want to look at people that might be able to have the answers, you know, people that are having a good marriage, people that are have good uh, mannerly children. You know, you want to hang around those people because you want to learn from them. Right. In business, I know that I, I want to be around people that are successful and that, and that they're doing a good job and their their employees like them and and they're working as a team and and uh, they're growing and, and uh, all of those good things. And in church, you know, you want to find those people that uh, kind of are people that you could look up to and you could learn from. Um, also, you know, that's a time of getting, that's a type of receiving, but we also have a time where God's put us in places where we're going to be giving, correct? We need to be giving. So as we grow in our maturity, grow in our spiritual walk, uh, there's going to be people that are going to need what somebody else gave to us when we were where they are. We're going to need to, to look for that and ask the Lord to provide or, uh, make us aware, give us a discernment to see or experience from in, internally, spiritually, you know, this person's needing something and the Lord will reveal to you sometimes, you know, go sit over there, go sit next to that person, give that person a hug, smile at that person, shake their hand, you know, give them a hug. Uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful when the Lord speaks to you like that and, and it will happen if you want it. Uh, you just ask him to use you, right? Just use you and he will. So it's said to remember your Christian family. Just remember the people around you. There's a lot of people in your neighborhood that maybe don't know Christ and you might be their only, their only a uh, person that could be that mustard seed to move that mountain. And as you um, make them feel good by welcoming and saying, hi, hey, how's it going? You know, how's, it's so good to see you, you know, that type of thing. Sometimes it's as easy as that. Not be so caught up in our own little world, our own little, oh, I've got two babies at home and I don't have time to, you know, no. You know, ask the Lord to teach you how to be a better steward with your time, to prioritize and be present. Look, I was not always that good with this, and I've learned to get better. And have I arrived? No. Um, I'm glad that God's not done with me yet. And you know what? The good news, he's not done with you yet either. And that's a good news, right? <sighs> We're not the first ones, the last ones, the only ones, or the main ones who are suffering in the West most of our micro-suffering would barely register among so many brothers and sisters abroad. We should remember, with prayer and sympathy and great respect, the countless others who endure so much more opposition than we do. Even when we face legitimate challenges to our faith, we're in good and noble company. That's a good place to be, isn't it? Number 10, look to the east. Hmm. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Do you want that? I want that. And it's an ongoing thing, okay? Uh, this life is a journey. It has beginnings. It has endings. And it's good that it has those things. Just understand it's a journey. You know, we don't, it's, we don't have to figure it all out one day. I, I was that person. I, I was like, oh, no, I want to figure it out right now. I got to fix this right now. It doesn't always work that way. It's in his time, not your time. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. First Peter one thirteen. Darkness has never stopped the dawn, so we have every reason to fix our eyes on the far horizon. We have every reason to hope that God will himself restore, confirm, and strengthen. And establish us. We have every reason to anticipate our eternal glory in Christ. Jesus is coming back. So when the night deepens, Stay on the trail and look to the east. So 
The spiritual attack, is it real? Absolutely. Does everybody believe that? No. They just think things happen. You know, oh, it's just, it just happens. Or natural consequences. We have choices to make, don't we? We either reap the reward. My mom used to say this. This is one of her famous lines for me. Susie, you have choices every minute of every day, and you're going to reap the reward or suffer the consequence. It goes for you, too. Thank you, Mom in heaven. Um, but it's true. You know, it's like there's natural consequences for our actions. And even though we might repent, it doesn't mean that the consequences go away. We still have to work through those. And we're better people because of these things. There are four different stories in the Bible about Satan influencing or interacting with people. We'll go into these more. But right now, I'm not going to do that. I can, I can give them to you. Um, one is Eve in Genesis, Job, Jesus, and Peter. And it could go into this. There's, but I'm not going to at this moment. Okay. Types of spiritual attack. There are two different types of spiritual attacks shown in the Bible. A physical attack to your body, physical attack, and an attack of the mind. Here are examples of each. Physical. Satan attacked Job's health, his crops, his animals, and his family. The mental. With Eve, Satan made sin look attractive and caused her to question God's goodness and reasonableness and also God's commands. With Jesus, Satan tempted him to turn the stones into bread throw himself from the top of the temple and to gain all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. With Peter, Satan tempted him to worry about what people would think and to focus on his own safety rather than being there for Jesus. Can you relate to any one of those stories? Maybe more than one? (laughs) I can. Yeah. What can we learn from people who were attacked in the Bible? Satan often attacks at the start of things. Eve was attacked at the beginning of the world. Jesus was attacked at the beginning of his ministry. And Peter was attacked at the beginning of a new phrase of ministry, one without the physical presence of Jesus there. We're like the people in the Bible. We often experience spiritual attack at the beginning of a new ministry, a new job, a new phase of a relationship, such as a married life, or a new try at breaking free from a bad habit or sin. Please pay attention to this timing. Because sometimes he does that because he doesn't want you to go down that path. And even you go, oh, maybe this is a sign. Yeah, but it doesn't mean to stop. It doesn't mean to turn back. Not always. It might. You have to be discerning. Pray about it. But it could be that you're on the right track and the devil doesn't want you to go down that way. He doesn't want you to stay on that track. So he's going to do everything to try to detour you off of what God has for you. Don't let that happen. Satan often attacks when we're weak. Hmm. How many of you feel weak right now? First Peter 5, 8, 9 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Prowling lions don't go for the strongest animal in the group. They go for the one who is weak, the one who is separated from the group. The one is vulnerable to attack. So at different stages in our lives, when we're super discouraged or alone or sick or weak in some way, that's when we're most open to attack. We see this in the Bible. Satan attacked Jesus when he was hungry for 40 days of fasting. He attacked Peter when Jesus was being tried, and it looked like everything was going south for their ministry. Think about you right now. Where are you? Okay. Listen, a word of caution right now, because the Lord, the Holy Spirit just gave me something here. And um, there are some of you listening right now 
that feel very isolated. You're isolating yourself or you feel very isolated. You feel like you're the only one going through some situation right now. And you don't want to bother anybody else or you just feel ashamed or unworthy. And that's the devil. The devil's wanting you to stay isolated. He's wanting you to stay in your head and in, in, internalizing. And what the Lord is saying is to say something to someone, to reach up, reach out to him. He knows, he knows, but he is a gentleman and he's waiting for you. And you can ask for him to bring you someone into your life that can help you and guide you and hug you through this moment of pain and suffering that you're going through. Listen, I've been there. I've been to where I have no really reason to continue on. And that's a lie from the devil. It's a lie from the devil. And the sun comes up new every morning. And I just want you to understand that he loves you. He values you. He created you. You are his child of God. You are his child. And he is your Abba Father. He's your daddy. And he loves you. So listen, just hang in there. Get through this moment. Get through this day. And the sun comes up new every morning. Please, please, just listen to those words and understand that you're not alone. That's a lie. You're not alone. Okay? You can reach out to me by going to Sue Freeze, spelled like fries, one word, dot com. It's a website. You go there and you can uh, connect with me. I'm about connection. And uh, you can connect with me by emailing, you know, putting a message in there. And I'm the only one, the only one that reads it. No one else reads my mail. So just send something out to me and I'll be praying for you. And if you want me to call you, talk to you, I, I can do that also. Okay, so I just want you to know you're not alone. The Lord is with you. He really, it truly is. Okay. Number three, if Satan attacks, it's not a sign that you're a bad Christian. Sometimes when we're struggling with temptation, we think, oh, I'm such a bad Christian. But this isn't true. Jesus told us we'd have trials in this life. And Romans 3.23 tells us we're all sinners. The truth is we'll be tempted until the day we die and we'll give into temptation until the day we die. Yes, we need to work on growth and gaining victory in our areas of sin. But we also need to realize we won't be perfect until we see Jesus face to face. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? Oh my goodness. What are we going to say? Are we going to say anything at all? I can only imagine. I love that song. And I just, I, you know, am I going to dance? Am I going to get on my knees? I don't know. They played that song at Terry's celebration of life and it wasn't saying very well really, but you know, the words didn't matter. It just, it just, oh, so good. It was so good and so perfect at that moment. Satan often attacks people who are strong in their faith. Huh. Boy, that's true. You know, and when we're on the right path, there's more opposition. See, it's like uh, we're doing something right. Satan is an equal opportunity attacker. He'll attack us when we're weak, but he'll also attack us when we're strong as he wants strong people to become weak. Just look at the people Satan attacked in the Bible. Peter, Eve, Job, and even Jesus those were all people who were strong in their faith and had close walks with God. Satan uses lies and condemnation as a weapon. Revelations 12.10 tells us that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. John 8.44 tells us he is the father of lies. He uses lies and condemnation as weapons. Don't listen to that. 
okay, if you have that type of talk going on in your mind, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And that's all you have to say. Say Jesus' name very loud. Say it out loud so everything and everybody can hear it, okay? That is your power. That is your strength. He is your Redeemer. And the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. Just say the name of Jesus. I always just rebuke that in Jesus' name. If I have a thought, I hold it captive in Jesus' name. I rebuke that. I'm holding that thought captive because that's not truth. That's not what God says. It's not it. And we're fighting in the spirit. And it could be a person that's bashing us. Okay, that happens. People are people. But we have to rise above. Okay? And we have to pray for our enemies. It's so much easier to pray for somebody that's lovable, isn't it? It's so difficult to pray for those enemies. But if we're really thinking about God and we're looking at that person through God's eyes and through his heart, he doesn't want even one of our lambs to stray. He wants them all to come home to him. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, it's in the past. You're a new creation when you receive the Lord as your heavenly father. And so you start anew and you don't have to clean your act up. People say, oh, I can't do that because I have to clean my act up. No, you don't have to clean your act up. He will help you do that. And it's in his timing, not yours. And he gives you the power and the strength to be able to do that. If he wants that, he'll make it happen. And it won't be hard. That's really wonderful, isn't it? Number seven, you're not the only one going through this. Sometimes we feel all alone and think we're the only ones going through this trials, temptations, and struggles because we don't see our friends struggling. But First Peter 5, 8, 9 tells us to resist Satan, staying firm in our faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by other brotherhood and sisterhood throughout the world. So even if we don't see the suffering, it's happening. People don't always broadcast their struggles. So don't get discouraged if you feel like you're the only one. Now, that was two times saying that same message. It was worded a little different. So maybe one time it got to you and one time it just kind of went over. And that's fine because the message is it's in there two times saying that we're all going through stuff, right? We're all going through things and we need to be there for one another. Do you want to? Is that a desire in your heart to be there for other people? Because the best way to get out of your own rut is to look for opportunity to help somebody else. If you can't get out of your own, you know, uh, cloud, if you're in a cloud or if you're, you know, in a storm or whatever you're in, you can describe it any way you want. But if you're in that black zone, that dark zone, okay, one way you can do it is just get yourself out of bed, take a shower, just rinse that stuff off, just rinse it off and just picture it, just rinsing that stuff off, okay? The other thing you can do is just, um, Lord, reveal to me somebody that needs, needs some help. And then you go help that other person, and I guarantee you, you will feel better. Because <laughs> you're thinking about somebody else, and you're getting out of your own process. You're getting out of your own thoughts. Not all the time can we do this. There's busy people out there, me being one, that I would much rather be helping somebody else and dealing with my own stuff. I get that, too. But the Lord gets me to where I, I need to face my stuff, too. And I do, and I have, and thank God for that. And thank God he's not done with me yet again, I say. And he's not done with you yet either. So how to fight spiritual attack. Although it can be discouraging to experience spiritual attack, it's also a good opportunity to grow. How many of you want to grow? If we want to grow, we need to fight. Here are some ways to resist spiritual attack based on the four examples of spiritual attack in the Bible. Use scripture. Try not to feel sorry for yourself. That's kind of what I was talking about a little earlier. 
there's more on this because I'm, I'm getting low on time. I wanted to at least get somewhere here on this. Number three is don't leave the church. Okay, sometimes we leave the church out of whatever reason, you know, just feeling like you just don't belong now. Don't leave the church. You need the church. Number four, don't beat yourself up and say what a terrible Christian you are. Okay, those are lies from the devil, too. Okay, the devil wants us to believe that we're unworthy, that we don't belong, that we're, we're nothing, right? But the Lord says so many other things about the I am's, like who you are in him. And that's why I'm saying if you go to Sufri, spelled like fries and word, and you download those I am's, you're going to find that you're going to have a new strength, a new courage, your shoulders are going to go back, and you're going to believe what he says about you. I have to tell you, I went into a place, it was called 800 Help For Me, and I was put in it, the Lord put me there. And uh, I had to learn a whole new way of thinking about who I was. And when I realized that God sent his only son to die in my place, and that he died in my place, if I was the only person on this earth, he valued me enough to sacrifice his son, me being a mom and everything, I know just how much of a sacrifice that is. Really, it's just a crazy, amazing love. And to think that he did that for me, to save me, and I'm saying that not for me, but for you, because the same applies. Let it penetrate into your soul. Let it penetrate into your heart. I wept when I realized that love, because I hadn't experienced that love from my, my father here on this earth. I didn't understand that. So to understand that kind of Abba Father, Abba Daddy love was life-changing for me, and my heart changed my spirit changed from the inside out, and it can do that for you, too. And I want that for you, and I know my Heavenly Father wants that for you, too. I'm hoping this has helped you in some way. I hope it has. Um, number five. Uh, number four was don't beat yourself up. Number five is don't believe everything your friends tell you. In fact, depending on who your friends are, you might want to not believe anything they say to you. And maybe you need to change your friends, okay, because you are who you hang with. You are who you hang with. Make sure you're choosing your friends, not they're choosing you. Number six, don't hide from God. You can't hide from God. He's everywhere, you know. So you can't really hide from him, but you can try. You can try, but you're not going to be able to hide from him because he knows every hair on your head. He knows every word before you speak it. He knows you. He knows you from when you were in your mother's womb. He created you for a specific purpose. Do you not Want to experience what that is? Wow, incredible. Number seven, renew your mind. Fighting lies with truth. That's what I'm saying about um, Ephesians. It talks about renewing your mind. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's in Matthew. And I can tell you that if you get the I am's, the three pages from my website, Sue Freeze, spelt like fries, one word dot com, go there, print it, read it every single day, day and night. It will renew your mind and you will fight the lies of the devil. Number eight, spend more time with God than usual. Where when you're in a season where you need it. Okay. He wants us to always be in his word and always be praying and always be thankful in all things. Right. Number nine, resist. Years ago, I took a woman's self-defense class. The teacher who also happened to be our pastor told us that if a person fights back, Most attackers will flee, but surprisingly, a lot of people don't fight back. When we're spiritually attacked, it's essential to fight back. James 4, 7 tells us to resist the devil and he will flee. We need to make the effort to resist, even though it's much easier to go watch something on Netflix or have a bite to eat. Number 10, follow the tips in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Ephesians, that's a love chapter. I love this chapter. It's a relationship chapter. Read it. Go to Ephesians 6, 10, 20. Just go there. Number 11, the devil is a liar. 
believe that he is a liar because he is a liar. So if you are listening to that, you have to rebuke it in Jesus' name. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That is not truth. That is not what God says about me. If you do that, your life will change forever. Be a blessing to someone each and every day. God bless you. Bye for now. It's a time of the year when bugs multiply like crazy and start looking for a home, your home. Ants, spiders, fleas, earwigs, termites, and a lot of other creepy crawly critters, even rats and other varmints. It's time to call E. coli Termite and Pest Control Services. They offer complete ecological pest control of rodents and insects. Ecola has one-time services, ongoing monthly services, their most popular and economical every-other-month service, and even quarterly service for occasional pest problems. Ecola keeps rats and mice out and eliminates insects in their nests. It's the most effective way, and their termite control is legendary. So call Ecola today for a free estimate of complete pest control at 877-332-BUGS. No more creepy-crawly critters like ants, spiders, fleas, earwigs, termites, rats, and other pests. Call them at 877-332-BUGS. 877-332-BUGS. E.C.O.L.A. Powerful pest control services as gentle as a butterfly. Ask about their two-year warranty. Call 877-332-BUGS.